Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Happiest of holidays to you, for those of you who do have some time off from your jobs. And we are delighted to see you today. I know a lot of people are traveling, so let's keep them in our prayers for traveling mercies. Katie and I spent a lot of time on the road yesterday, back and forth. Uh, it's just one of those things. This time of year, musicians get called upon to do a lot of things. And our Christmas won't be over until around 11 o'clock tomorrow night as far as uh, doing music for services and such. So keep us in your prayers too. That the gifts that God has given us are being, being used for his glory during this time of year. Amen. Well, it's almost that day. Monday, right? The, the big buildup that's been coming since right before Thanksgiving. People started really getting antsy about December 25th. Most of us have been aware of it, if not immersed in it, for weeks and, and even months. And some of us will be getting ready to go for the 26th when those after Christmas sales start, right? Now, you know, come on. Just be really honest. You're kind of looking forward to those markdowns, even in the grocery store, because cranberries will go down to 50 cents a bag. And I will buy lots of them and make homemade cranberry sauce to freeze so I can have it all year long. Because I like the fresh, my own cranberry sauce, rather than the stuff that comes out of the can. And I'm looking forward to 50 cent bags of cranberries. But I find myself asking why? Why do I look forward to that? And not so much what we're acknowledging on the 25th. Why do we do the crazy things that exhaust us? Get tired this time of year? Just get a little bit extra tired, feel a little extra? If I could just get a few more close-eye minutes. And it even makes me grumpy. Uh, my students are, are, I'm on vacation from them until January the 3rd. And I get such sweet little emails from some of them. Um, and they say, well, I miss you, Miss Rebecca. I didn't have piano this week. I miss you. And I'm kind of grumpy going, well, I didn't miss you. <laughs> but, but I did. In my heart, I, I truly did. And how many of you are still looking for that perfect gift for that one person that you want to get something for? I'm still looking. I'm still, yeah, together, you and me. We're still looking for just that one special something that's going to make their eyes get really big, and they're going to go, <gasps> and you're going to see that smile. Today is December 23rd. My father's birthday is December 23rd. And if you've heard me speak here before, you know that I was daddy's girl. And I had a really unique relationship with my father. And December 23rd, every year, it kind of became a joke in our house that we would have him go to the Christmas tree 
and it was always a real one. My mother insisted on having a real balsam because it made the house smell good. And we would have him select one of the presents that was wrapped in Christmas paper, and we would say, well, this is your birthday present. Looking back as an adult, I regret now that we did not honor him differently. But I was a kid. And that's what my parents apparently had agreed to do early on in their 48 years of marriage. And he would always be suitably impressed, and he would be very touched by whatever it was he had happened to pick out. Socks, fruit of the loom, undershirts, really good gloves. He was a letter carrier in the wintertime. His hands had to, have, uh, had to have gloves where he could handle mail. And, and, uh, and, but still keep his hands warm. And he would hug and kiss us all and let us know how much we meant to him. December 23rd has always been a difficult day for me in the last, since 1998, almost 20 years. I still have trouble on this day. Thinking, am I honoring my father? Do I honor my father, who gave so much for me as I was growing up? But then I have to remember that it's not what you give or even how you wrap it. The most important thing during this season and this very special time of year is that you save the receipt. <laughs> right? To know how much it costs someone. That's why we save the receipt, right? So you can prove what the cost was. Just in case. You know, mankind doesn't really know a lot about wrapping gifts. There's a, a, a TV commercial right now with this really kind of geeky guy who goes to the gift wrapping station at the mall and he's trying to wrap things for various people and he keeps getting his fingers caught in the tape and asking the girl, I, oh, it happened again. I got my fingers taped together. Because he, he can't wrap a gift. But mankind, humanity has learned what we know about giving gifts from the original gift giver. Amen. Amen. From God. You see, God is in the giving business. He's not in the taking business. Wouldn't do so good for you in your line of work there, would it, Tom? You can't just give cars away. You can't just give them away. You're not in the giving business. But God is in the giving business. From the very beginning, God gave Adam and Eve a piece of skin from an innocent animal that had to die to cover their nakedness. He didn't make them go and get it. Or go and find it. Scripture tells us he gave it to them and covered them. From the very beginning, he's been giving. In spite of the fact that Adam and Eve did not deserve a gift. But still he gave. And what was the cost? What was the cost of that first gift? Something had to die. Something had to die for that gift to be given. God gave Noah a plan for the ark. 
that would save a whole bunch of animals, right? Is that all the ark did? It saved a bunch of animals, yes. But what did the ark save? Noah and his family. God gave him a plan. God gave him the resources. God gave him the ability. God's in the giving business. He didn't want to take Noah's life. He wanted to save it. So he gave him a gift. The ability to come through the judgment. Do you see a pattern? God gave to Sarah a precious child in her old age. And she named him Isaac. He gave her a son. What did he give us? He gave us his son. He gave the Israelites possession of a land that flowed with milk and honey like they had never seen before. And he enabled them to go in and take it as long as they were walking with him. God gave the Israelites prophets to plead with his people and to tell them of the amazing plans that he had for them and the amazing things that he had in store for them. He didn't leave them in darkness. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet to tell them, walk with me, be my people, and this is what you will get. He gave us the scriptures that told us of the coming Messiah. Jesus even read them aloud in the temple. Here, you want to know who I am? This prophecy is fulfilled today in your presence. Here I am. He gave us promises. As parents, sometimes we promise things to our kids that we know we cannot keep. And I know a couple of times my dad would tell me something. Well, I'll promise that'll happen. And he would have to come to me with tears and say, I'm sorry, I can't make that happen. And it hurt him so much that he had made a promise to me that he couldn't keep. I learned a lot about giving from my father. God gave to the shepherds, the lowest of the low, there's only one class in Israel that was lower than people who took care of animals, and that was the people who took care of dead bodies. A necessary job. Somebody had to do it. But taking care of animals was like one notch above being an undertaker. And he gave to the shepherds the first pronouncement that his promise had been kept. People that were dirty with animal waste on their bodies and dirt from being out in the, in the fields, who never got to bathe much, rough, illiterate, and he gave them the honor of being the first to hear the story. He's here. He's finally come. God gave to the wise men a star to lead them to the Christ child. Did he give it to the most faithful, faithful of, his, of his children, of the Israelites, the Jews? 
Is that, were that who these wise men were? No. Do you know where they came from? You gotta go way back in the Old Testament to find out the first reference to where the men from the east came. Abram. From the land of Ur. Babylonia. So there was a remnant still there from way back. See, you remember Abraham. Abram wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a Hebrew. They didn't <laughs> exist. There were just those who followed God. But he said to the wisest of men who had been watching for signs and watching for, for the fulfillment of a prophecy that they were familiar with. Come on. I'll let you meet him. I think it's very interesting that it wasn't to the Israelites, to those who were looking, that were supposed to be his children, who were supposed to be watching. These were outsiders. And one of my favorite characters in the Christmas story, God gave Joseph a heart to understand this strange thing that the Lord was asking him to do. To take this young girl who was pregnant and be her husband and protect her and guide her and care for this child. He gave Joseph a very, very special place in Jesus' life. That was his earthly father. We don't know a lot about Joseph, but we know what kind of man Christ grew up to be. And I can't help but think Fathers here, you shape your children in ways that you cannot even imagine. Just by them watching you every day. Just watching the things that you do. The way you interact with people. God gave to this world the Prince of Peace. A Messiah, a Savior, a Counselor. But God didn't just give the world something. He gave his son something, too. He gave him a cross. Does that shock you? He gave him one of the most cruel ways a human being can die. Abandoned by his friends. Scorned by those he loved ridiculed by a crowd that he came to save. And that's what God gave to his son. God is a great giver. And we can learn a lot about giving from him. John, who was, if you had to say Jesus had a best friend, it would be John. We're told that, that Jesus especially loved John. He was the beloved disciple. And John says, God so loved the world that he gave, he didn't loan him to us, he gave to us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth of him would never perish, but have everlasting life. In James, and I'm going to read a different translation. Thank you, Carol. I, I love the way you read. Every good and perfect gift is from above 
and comes down from the Father of light. Jesus told the woman at the well, remember her? Susie Castoff? Dolores, don't you talk to her. The woman who had to go by herself because no one else would be in polite company with her. Jesus told her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, he spared not his own son. Remember, he gave his son a cross. Shall he not with him, God and Christ together, freely give us, can anyone finish that verse, the next two words? All things. My Father in heaven will give me all things, freely. He doesn't keep a receipt because the receipt is there with him. Paul says to the Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the, fill in the word please, gift of God. And I say with Paul, as he wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, 15, mark this in your Bible if you haven't already done that, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. We can't even get words out to say how, how this gift, what this gift is. We just can't really comprehend it. I see God giving two kinds of gifts, personal and practical. I see them in the gifts that he's given to me. He gave me a personal gift by giving his son to die for my sins, for me. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I know that he died for me. And I believe that. He did come for everyone. He came for me. He came for you. He came for the guy next door. He came for the guy that cut you off of traffic this morning and that you were just thinking some really naughty thoughts about. Get on that naughty list. He came to die for the owner of that dog that keeps you awake at night barking all night long. He came to die for your fifth grade teacher. If I have to say there was a teacher in my life that I really did not like, it was my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Hamlin. And that's a whole nother sermon. He didn't come for the rich. He didn't come for the poor. He didn't come for white, black, yellow, purple, pink, plaid, stripes. He came for everyone. The gift of God's son was for me. He came and he died for me personally. When he came to this earth, 
He became a human, and he didn't have to. He was God. He didn't have to do that. But when he lived here on this earth, he was completely human. He knew heartache. He knew loneliness. He knew temptation. He longed for companionship and friendship. He felt hunger. And when he left his earthly father's carpenter shop, Joseph, I, I, I like to wonder sometimes, did he think, maybe I should wait and go next year, set up on this journey next year. I, I could do it later. I'm sure he didn't want to leave the comfort of his home, the presence of his parents who loved him, for what he knew was going to come and what was going to happen. Humans don't like that. We like being comforted. We like being surrounded by those who love us. Maybe he thought that maybe he should come back and die for a different generation where crosses were not the accepted form of punishment. And sometimes when I was growing up and, and a young Christian, I, I didn't like to think of Jesus as being human. I didn't like to think about God getting hungry. It almost seems sacrilegious in a way to think of him as a human being with all the problems that I have as a human and to think he had those too. Those nails hurt. Those beatings hurt. The thorns they put on his head hurt. Just the same way they would hurt yours. So why did he do it? Because he looked across the generations and he saw Rebecca. He saw her. And he said, and I don't understand this. It's worth it. It's worth it to have her as my child. He saw that I needed a savior. So he gave me the best gift I could ever have. He gave himself. And he gave himself for each and every one of us. And is that not the most practical gift of all? Eternal life. What a gift! Eternal life with him. Not eternal life in Charlotte. I love my hometown. Go Panthers. Love my hometown. That's not where I'm going to spend eternity. I'm going to spend eternity in the presence of my Lord. Without that gift that he gave me, I would die and go to hell. Whoa. Practical gift. He gave me eternal life. I will live eternally with Christ couple of quick questions and I'll be done. You ever sin? I have. Do you have sin in your life right now? I do. There's no gift that any of us could ever need more than that of him giving himself on the cross for us. Amen. Gold, 
It's nice. Wish I had a little more of it sometimes. Frankincense, myrrh, not so much. I'm not into perfumes and essential oils. One of my little bunny rabbits gave me a little thing, essential oil, lavender oil, because her mother, I know her mother picked it out. You know, it helps you to sleep. You put that like on your pillowcase, a drop of it, it's supposed to help you sleep. Yeah, I'm not so much into the essential oils. A practical gift that will benefit me for eternity. It is not the paper that matters of the gift, but the purpose. It is not the ribbon that makes the gift beautiful, but the reason that it was given. So as we go forth from here today, Merry Christmas. You have been given the best gift that you could ever imagine. And I hope, I hope to the bottom of my soul that you have accepted it. And you don't ever have to take it back or change it for another size or re-gift it to somebody else. But Merry Christmas, my friends, because the best gift has already been given to you. All you have to do is accept.